0: Great, hi everybody. Good morning, thank you for responding. It's helpful for me actually if you do. Uh, Good morning, Uh, Jeremiah said, my name is Emily Alexander, uh, married to John, who's been uh, a a part of this community from time to time teaching. And I just wanna start by saying thank you um, for having him. He loves this community so much. And he spent some time with Jeremiah not that long ago and he came home and he said, hey, if Jeremiah ever asks you to speak to this community, you have to say yes. So I'm not here, I promise, by force, but I, I don't think that I had an option to to say no, not that I would have. But he just, he loves this community especially loves Pastor Jeremiah. So thank you for uh, having me here. And I, I have to also start out by saying that teaching in front of a community of people about God about Jesus is never something that I had ever known to set my sights on. I didn't really grow up uh, in the church my entire childhood. I I didn't know like old church hymns. I never went to camp. I didn't know the latest popular worship songs. But here I am now, uh, and I'm a worship leader at a church and I speak from time to time, and it just feels so humbling, and I feel so grateful, slightly terrified, but uh, that that God would would say, "Here, this is this is what I want you uh, to do." And my prayer uh, all week has been that God would just speak through me directly to you, because that is what He does. He uses people like you and like me, and I I believe that he actually has something for every single person here today. And all we have to do is just be open to what God is trying to say to us, all right? Uh, Before I move on, maybe you've heard John's version of who we are, I'll give you my version uh, of who we are. John and I are coming up on 13 years of marriage uh, in August. Woo! And uh, I'm telling you, maybe he's told you, our dating life was no walk in the park. Like seriously, we never took walks in the park. Like I remember the first time he tried to hold my hand and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? You know, it was a weird dating life, okay? We we sort of argued more than most people dating do. And there were even times, true story, that we were like, are we really going through with this this feels hard um but i'm so grateful i'm so grateful that we did because standing here almost 13 years later boy i feel the fruits of that labor we knew that god Wanted us to be married. We knew that with certainty. That's what draw, drew us to the aisle, uh, and here we are, 13 years later, and it, it's it's bearing fruit, and I'm grateful for that. Those two uh, two examples of that, for one, are my children. Uh, Maddox is 10. I spent the better part of yesterday and Friday uh, watching him play baseball. Go White Bear Lake Bears! Um, And then my daughter Marley, gosh, she just turned six, and I'm telling you, she's going to like own a candy store or something someday. It's all she eats, and I know it's my fault, but it's like I show up to the dentist and I'm like, just tell me, how many? You know, how many does she have? How many cavities are we working with today? John and I are both uh, in full-time ministry too, and we have been for the entirety of our marriage. We've had... (laughs) some hilariously low lows in ministry together. And we've also had some incredibly high highs. And I am so grateful that we are in this and doing this together. Uh, before ministry, uh, we actually had the opportunity to play baseball and softball uh, overseas at a professional level in Switzerland. John, big baseball guy, uh, grew up playing, went to college to play baseball and I did the same on the softball side grew up playing baseball or grew up playing softball uh, went to college to play softball and then him and I had the opportunity to play overseas uh, together in Switzerland and I'm telling you that was quite a time we were Babies. We were 24 years old. And I'm telling you, I had never been overseas before. John actually had. And it was an introvert's dream. And I don't know if you can tell already, but I'm not an introvert. Like, this is is like a dream to be in a room with just a bunch of people. I love being around people. But, John, is an introvert. He is in a room like this and he comes home and cashes out on the couch for like the better part of the afternoon. And so Switzerland was an introvert's dream. He read tons of books. He prepared for the ministry jobs that we had ahead of us. And meanwhile, I was just sort of walking around aimlessly trying to just find people to talk to me. But in my naivety, I I didn't know that nobody really spoke English. And two people, there were like two or three people on my softball team who could speak English out of a, you know, 15-person squad. I mean, imagine running that practice. And so it was sort of like, what am I gonna do? It was very isolating for me. And so, you know, if you can't be an introvert, just join an introvert. So I I grabbed a book uh, from John Stack a book called Who Is This Man Uh, by John Orberg. I highly recommend that book. And of course, I grabbed the Bible. I did actually bring my Bible uh, to Switzerland with us. And I just spent so much time reading the word of God and coupled with this book called Who Is This Man?, which the premise of the book is teaching about Jesus in his humanity, how he changed the world, not just by his divinity, the death, the resurrection, but who he was and how he changed the world as a human. And story after story jumped off the page to me that Jesus, wait, he was a human just like I I'm a human. He came into this world the same way I did. He walked the earth just like I'm doing now. He felt sadness. He felt righteous anger. Mine's not always so righteous, but he walked the earth. He was a human. Like, what? And not only the way he was as a human, wow. All of a sudden, it was so tangible to me who God was simply by looking and learning about this Jesus in his human nature. And so now I I love to study. That's what I love to study most about Jesus is the way he walked in his humanity. I wanna be like that. I want to be like Jesus. I want to look a little bit more like Jesus. And here's the thing, I am fully flawed but trying to do my best. And I, I think that's how we all are, right? So let's start with the question, why? And for those of you parents with toddlers, you're like, really? I, I've been asked that question already seven times today before you got here. Stick with me. Let's, ask, let's answer the question, why? Why did God fully send his one and only son, Jesus, to this earth? In order for Jesus to take his place in heaven, be seated at the right hand of his father, he first had to become fully human. Why? Why was that? What is God's plan in all of that? Well, here's the deal. God was trying to solve a problem, and that problem was sin, You know, sin simply defined as all the stuff that gets in the way of us and God because he's perfect, right? And so our imperfections, our sin naturally separate us from the perfection of God. But God's like, I have a solution. Why did God fully send his son Jesus to this earth to walk in all his humanity first? Well, I'm sure there's lots of answers to this question, but the one I'm gonna use is love. Because the people at that time needed God's love. They were desperate for God's love. You and I, whether you know it or not, you need God's love. I need God's love and it is God's love that forgives our sins and restores our relationship with him which means that ultimately God sent Jesus the solution to the problem of sin to this earth because of his great love for you and for me. But not only that. And here's where it gets profounder, at least it was for me. He sent Jesus to this earth fully human to show us what it looks like to love God and love Others? Have you ever asked yourself that question? What does love look like? How about in 2020? Did you find yourself asking, How in the world do I love that person? What does it mean for me to love thy neighbor as myself? Good questions. Uh, when I was in high school, um, on my 16th birthday, my dad and I drove uh, to pick up a little golden retriever puppy. And I, you know, just told, I have two sisters, I told both of them, like, well, it's my puppy, I think. And my dad's like, well, no, it's my puppy. <laughs> he's, he's a big hunter. And so we were training little Riley uh, to, to hunt and hunt alongside my dad. And, but man, he was like my best friend. I mean, he was mine, you know, that's how I saw Riley. And, and my dad would say, now, Emily, I'm training him to be obedient. So so, so just leave him in his kennel if he's in there, you know. And, and so dad would go to bed, and then I'd go out to the garage, and I'd get Riley and bring him downstairs into my room. And we were best friends. I think he wanted me to do that. It took it took a long, long time to be trained, but... I'm sure he wanted that. Uh, Riley loved me so well. His love was so tangible to me. I could touch Riley, you know, I could feel him. When my tears fell, oh my gosh, come on. <laughs> That's my son when he was two. I don't think he would wear that outfit today. Uh, but Riley loved me so well. When, when, uh, when my tears would fall, you know, they would fall on him. He was always right there. In my greatest joys in life, he was always right there to welcome me at home. He just loved me so perfectly, or so I thought. Because as I sat in our tiny studio apartment in Switzerland, I discovered right then and there this tangible love of Jesus because of who he was in his humanity. And just like his death, and resurrection, the life he modeled here on earth is is proof of how much he loves us. So God sends this guide, right? He sends a guide to show us what love looks like. So how did he do that? How did he show us what love looks like and why does it matter? For the rest of my time here, I'm gonna give you two ways Two ways that Jesus modeled what love looks like. And these two ways, Westbridge, were such new behaviors back then. Who Jesus was when he walked the earth was, no, was like no one else, but he, he revolutionized the way things would be moving forward. And I'm telling you, I need these practices more than ever today. And the first uh, is this. In his humanity, Jesus served. Jesus served. Now, I don't know about you, and this will be a big confession in front of people I don't know, but um, I, I, I struggle on the daily to think about anybody but myself. Anyone else? Just me? Great. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> and nobody knows this better than my husband, John. Okay. When we were dating, in fact. Um, I invited him over to my parents' house where I was living, and, and I was going to make him a frozen pizza. We were just going to kind of hang out, okay? And uh, you've seen John. He's a lot taller than I am, 6'3", uh baseball player, you know, so he can put down a pie or two. But here's what he didn't know at the time is that, so can I. I love pizza. And I know what you're thinking. Well, everybody loves pizza. Or maybe you're like, no, 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 I love pizza, but no. I love pizza. In fact, many times John and I have been on a date together having pizza where he very, very kindly says, Emily, slow down. (laughs) You know, one time, true story, I was driving home from Punch Pizza. Anybody love Punch Pizza? I love Punch Pizza. If you've never been, just find one, I don't care. How far you have to drive? It'll be worth it. Uh, it's very flimsy, right? It's like um, wood fire pizza. It's my favorite kind, and there's there's one less than a mile down from my house. And so I I stopped and picked up a pizza. It was just for me. My kids were in school. John was at work. It was literally me. And I'm driving home, and I've got the box of pizza on the passenger seat, and I'm like, I'm hungry. <laughs> So I reached in and I grabbed a piece of pizza, which is hilarious because I was less than a mile from my house anyways. And so I like proceed to like take a bite of it and you kind of have to, cause it's not just like dominoes where it's just so easy. So whatever. Anyways. Um, and, and my watch buzzes <laughs> and, and I look down at my watch thinking it's a text and instead it's my watch and it says, breathe. <laughs> like, breathe, oh my gosh, and the shame took over, and I put the pizza back in the, oh my gosh, the container, and oh, whatever, waited till I got home like normal people would do to eat it. Um, but anyway, so here I am, John and I are about to have pizza, and uh, you know, I, I take the pizza out of the oven, and I cut it, and I don't really do slices, I, I don't know, to me, it's like you just get what you get. You pick it up and you eat it. It's just easier. So I cut it sort of down the middle. I maybe gave myself a little bit more and I put it on the plate and I gave it to John. I gave my piece to John. And, you know, big distinction at the beginning of the story is that we're dating. And so, you know, like when you're dating, you're just so nice to each other and you're just so cute and there's nothing you can do wrong, you know. And so he definitely noticed that we had like about the same amount of pizza or maybe I I had a little bit more and he just didn't say anything, you know, what I knew. And, and then the tension just sort of started to rise. And, you know, but how do you ask your girlfriend, like, new girlfriend, are you going to eat all that? You know, like, you can't really do that. And, and so finally, whatever, I broke the tension. And I was like, listen, I, I just love pizza. And he's still with me today. So, I mean, it, it's fine. But we all want for ourselves, We all want more than half the pizza, but not Jesus. Jesus was not like that. Now, he liked to eat. There are countless stories in the word about Jesus having a meal with friends, having a meal with other people, but every time Jesus sat down to have a meal with someone, it was always about them. Jesus saw it as an opportunity to serve when I see it as an opportunity to eat about 60% of the pizza. In fact, in one scenario where he's sitting down with his friends, he proceeds to get up from the table, wrapped a washcloth around his waist and knelt down to, to wash their feet. I mean, the ultimate sign of servanthood, that is how Jesus rolled. He was in the business of serving others and he was actually about to impart this value, this very value of serving people onto his closest friends, the disciples. If you have your Bibles, we're gonna be in the book of Mark in chapter 10. Jesus is starting to attract a lot of attention with the things he's teaching about, right? And his friends, you know, I mean, they're kind of along for the ride. Like, look at these thousands of people that have gathered for this guy. And we're like one of 12 that get to sort of soak in the popularity right alongside him. And so they're feeling pretty good. And so they pulled Jesus aside. In verse 35, here's what they say. We want you to do us a favor, they said. Now, I know we're going to talk about his humanity, but let me sidebar on his divinity for a second. Because he's God, Right, so he knows like exactly what these two guys are about to ask him, but he's also so nice and patient with us, and so he lets them keep going. Right, and so he says, "What's your request?" Right, he's so nice, uh, and, and they proceed to 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 say this: "We we we want you to put us on your right or." on your left. He says, let one of us sit on your right and the other on your left in your glory. What does that mean? Essentially what these two guys are saying is, Jesus, when you go, we want to go too. And we, we want one of us to sit on your left and one of us to sit on your right. Some sort of heavenly status that they're asking for in their newfound popularity. And you got to see You gotta see how Jesus responds to these gentlemen. I'm telling you, Jesus is about to drop the mic on these two guys and give them a perspective of living that is brand new. Imagine hearing this for the first time. He says, you know, that the rulers in this world, this is Jesus responding to that question, The rulers in this world lord it over people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. And then he says, talking about himself, Remember, he's God. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. (sighs) Westbridge, this is unheard of. Because to the disciples, status was everything. Your position was everything, but Jesus, this guy that they have given their lives to, says, no, 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 no. You might feel popular, but among you, it will be different. And then he gave his life for you, for me, for the many And something I didn't see until I was writing this message is that, notice the first thing he acknowledges in the text. You see it? His humanity. I came to serve. I came here to this earth to serve others. He acknowledges his humanity before he acknowledges his divinity. And then give my life as a ransom for many A couple verses later, we read about two sisters. And these two sisters, they know that Jesus is about to come to their home. And maybe you've heard the story, but it's Mary and Martha. And Martha is like the one who's getting the place ready. And Mary is like, all I care about is the fact that Jesus is about to be in my home. What's he there for? Well, he's a teacher. He's a rabbi. He's there to teach them. What's crazy about this is that if you are a teacher going to teach somebody something, you are doing so for the purpose that they would then go and teach others. But women didn't do that. Women couldn't do that. Not so with Jesus, right? He comes into their home. He tells Martha, stop with the busyness. Just come. Let me teach you and I'm not done. Jesus goes on record in the book of Matthew saying, Let the children, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those that are like these children, full of faith, so excited to come and just be near Jesus. Don't stop them, let them come. Groups of people cast off in society, but not in Jesus. Never in Jesus. That's a good guy, isn't it? First way that Jesus modeled what love looks like in this world is he served. The second way is that Jesus saw Let me explain this a little bit. What I mean is that Jesus saw people for more than how they saw themselves. I've got a funny little illustration. Stick with me here. But eight years ago, my husband and I were waiting to board a flight back home to Minnesota from Washington, where he is originally from, and. uh, and we sit down in our seats, and there's a teenager across the the aisle, and she's got her her headphones in, and we we make pleasantries, hello, and 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 you know we're making eye contact, whatever. Well, well, minutes kind of go by, and I'm kind of looking up again, you know, normal, whatever, and and I'm like, oh, she's still looking at me, okay. So I go back to whatever I was doing, and I kind of look up again, and, and I'm like, still looking at me, okay. And, and I got to a point where I was like. Is she looking at me? (laughs) Like, she must be looking over me. Because nobody holds a person's gaze for this long without saying anything. And so finally, oh, thank goodness, she broke the silence. And she took an earbud out and she's like, Are you Ashley Tisdale? (laughs) I don't know. Is there a similarity there? Maybe a little bit. Oh, thank God. I was so glad she broke the silence. Are you Ashley Tisdale? I'm like, no, shoot. I I wish I was. She was just so excited at the at the thought that I would be. That's what I'm talking about. That's how Jesus sees us. He sees us like that girl saw me. Stick with me, let me explain. She saw me for so much more than I saw myself. She had this awe, this adoration. I mean, until I told her, until I told her that I wasn't, then she never looked at me again. Um, but that's how he looks at us. That's how he looks at you, did you know that? With awe and adoration but not because you look like someone else. Not because I look like Ashley Tisdale, no. He calls us by name, he says, Emily, Alexander. In all of my flaws, in all of my imperfections, he says, you are my child. There's a better story that illustrates this, and I think it's one of the most gut-wrenching stories that you'll ever read in the Word. And if I can sidebar for a second, um, the first ministry job that John and I ever took, he, his responsibility was to teach our middle school students um, at this church. And, and uh, I was sitting in the back as he was about to give his first message like that I would ever hear. And, and little did I know, little did he know that he would teach me something that would be like a lifelong value that I've held to when I'm reading the Bible. And it's, and it's this, he was urging the students to find yourself in the story. And I find that when I'm reading the word, whatever it is, I feel less like I'm just reading it aimlessly because now all of a sudden I'm a part of the story. So that, that's what I want you to do. In this story, I want you to imagine what it would be like to be the woman at the center of this story. And for this story, we're we're in the book of John, chapter 8, verse 3. Now, remember, I told you that anytime Jesus taught, thousands of people would flock to him because he's, he's giving people a new way to experience God. And people are flocking to it because it's through this lens of love and forgiveness. It's like, what even are these words? Thousands of people are coming. And and whenever Jesus taught, he also had like a line or so of religious people just in the back like this. You know, I, I can't even imagine what it would be like if like 10 of you got up and went to the back and you were just like this. That's how Jesus taught it's religious people constantly trying to just override this guy's teaching, right? Well, anyways, he was, he was speaking and, and, and thousands of people were gathered and these religious leaders bring this woman to Jesus. And the writer John describes the moment like this, verse three. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery and they put her in front of the crowd. Could you imagine? Someone just brings you up to the front of the stage and just sits you down, and, and you've done something terribly wrong, and everyone in this room knows it. And you just feel the shame on you. And these religious leaders want him to pick up a rock and throw a stone. Why? Because that was the punishment. You get caught in the act of adultery. The punishment for that sin was stoning. Rocks thrown at you. But because Jesus sees her for so much more than she or anyone else sees her, he says back to the Pharisees, verse eight. Oh, this is so good. He says, all right, but let the one who has never sinned Throw the first stone. And John tells us that one by one, the crowd of people, they just peck away. They start to disperse. Even the religious leaders, the ones holding the rocks, right? Ready position, just like Jesus is gonna pick up that stone and stand right with us. They just disperse. They walk away. Let you who has never sinned throw the first stone. What Jesus was saying to the crowd that day is she is no worse than you. She is not the act of adultery. When I see her, I see my child. How about you? You ever feel like God doesn't see you Let's sit in that question for a sec. When you feel overlooked, Westbridge, God is looking right at you. When you don't see him, he sees you. And he sees you as more. Isn't that crazy? Really? The things that I did yesterday He sees you as more. You are more than what other people think of you. You are more than what you might even think of yourself. You are more than what other people say about you or the sins you feel define you. The ones from your past, (sighs) he sees you as more. He says, actually, you can come to me with those things. Maybe you're in here struggling with a sin that you can't quite gain control of. Well, guess what? We've all been there. And Jesus is even telling you, you can come. You are more. He sees you as so much more. But here's the challenge. is He wants us to do the same for other people. God sent his son Jesus to this world to give us a guide, to model what it looks like to see people in a new way. In Jesus' time on earth, it was normal to cast people out of society, right? Women, children, Gentiles, anyone not of Jewish descent, anyone physically impaired, mentally unstable, a second class citizens, but not so the case with Jesus. That's what he was showing people, a new way to live. And a new way to love. If we are going to walk in his footsteps. We must. I must start looking at people. In the same way that Jesus. Sees them how. Deserving of love. Accepted by God. And purposed for the kingdom. All people. And I don't know. Who needs to hear this. But did you know. That even you were purposed for the kingdom of God here on earth. This was so important to Jesus, in fact, that when a group, that same group of religious people asked him, hey, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? The law that these religious people knew inside and out that they were always trying to get Jesus with, they said, what's the most important? And he says, love the Lord your God With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. However, a second, equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No easy task, right? Think about the last time you were hard on somebody, whether it was in your mind or maybe it was publicly, And ask yourself, have you ever been that hard on someone else? You see, we often don't extend the same amount of grace to others that we give ourselves, right? I know I'm guilty of that. But Jesus made it really clear by the way he lived here on earth what love looks like, what it should look like. He says, Emily, you gotta serve. You've got to serve people. You want to know what God wants. You want to know God's heart. Look at Jesus' life. Emily, you've got to serve. Emily, you have to see people for more than the differences between you. And here's the hard but beautiful thing about God is that all he asks of us is to walk out of here a little more like him with the information that we have. Jesus served, Jesus saw. Now go and do the same. So here's my challenge to you as we wrap up. Who could you serve? Who could you serve this week? Pastor Andy Stanley has this famous line, to do for one, what you wish you could do for everyone, right? Who's your one? Who's the one person that you could serve, that you could answer the call for? Help be there for them. Who's your one? Who could you serve? And who could you see? Who could you see this week that nobody else is looking at? You might not even know when you leave here, the who. Well, that's exciting. That somehow you would take on a new lens as you leave, God, show me. Who can I serve? Who can I see? Because putting on the perspective of God's love is what changes the world, my friends. Jesus was such an awesome human. (laughs) I wanna be like him. Uh, thank you for having me. What a, what a joy it is to just be in this community, a community that I've heard so much about and now I get to be a part of. Um, I'd love to pray and uh, we can wrap it up. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you don't expect us to be perfect when we come to you. You don't expect anything from us. In fact, you just say, come. And no matter what we come to you with, hurt, shame, pain, sin, that feels like, oh my gosh, if anybody knew what I did, what I do, what I've done. Lord, you just tell us to come. Accept us just as we are and you start us fresh. We have life in you, new life anytime, Jesus. So may we be people today that leave here looking a little bit more like you by the way we serve, the way that we just look out and see the people that no one else is looking at. Jesus, I need you. I need you to remind me, Lord, because I can't do it on my own. Thank you for this community. What a joy, what a pleasure it is to worship with all of them. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. May you be with us as we go today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, my friends. I appreciate it.